This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey guys, quick thing. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Guna Talk. Back again with you guys for another episode of what is the Arsenal Transfer Show. Joining you every morning at 8 a.m. UK time. Hope you're doing good. Hope you're doing well. Hope you had a fantastic weekend thus far. Uh, of course, I say thus far, even though it is Monday. It feels like it's still the weekend for me because Arsenal play. Uh, and, you know, go to the press conference on a Saturday, doing the game on a Monday. It's like the weekend's kind of been shifted a day forwards. But uh, I hope you've enjoyed your Saturday and Sunday. You've enjoyed some interesting football matches indeed and of course we've got some big news regarding the FA Cup both before the game and hopefully after tonight's fixture as well. Um, good morning to those joining us in the chat box, hope you're doing good, hope you're doing well. Grandin Guna, good morning to you. Um, Kevin says, can we get 50 likes before Tom even starts the Spurs <laughs> or Spurs win the league? I mean, Kevin, that's quite the uh, the blackmailing you're doing there in the chat box, but I appreciate it. Uh, Franklin, good morning to you. Mike, uh, we've got Jose, Amira, we've got Yomi, Vivian, Bran, Bran Percy, <laughs> Marcus in the chat, uh, Martin, Harrison, Brad, Stephen, good morning to you. Uh, we've got Rich and Patrick uh, and Paul as well and plenty others too. Do drop a like on the video if you haven't done so already. Otherwise, apparently Spurs are going to win the league. So, I mean, you don't even need any more motivation than that. Uh, but thank you so much for joining us as always. So our first story is that if Arsenal are victorious in their game against Oxford United tonight, it means that we will play away to Manchester City uh, in the FA Cup fourth round. Uh, that will take place at the end of January between the dates of the 27th and the 30th. So uh, it will be a good, if Arsenal can, of course, get through. And we are saying it, a big if, you know, it's a game. No matter who we're playing, it's a game. You've got to win it. And last year we didn't go through, obviously, because we lost to Nottingham Forest. So it's not a given that we go through. But if, hypothetically, we go through to the next round, it would give us a little bit of a, a prelude, um, indeed, to what is going to be a title-challenging clash just a couple of weeks later in the Premier League when, of course, Arsenal host Manchester City in that Premier League fixture. So 
If Arsenal go through, very interesting game indeed. Now, uh, according to uh, David Ormstein and The Athletic, Arsenal have appointed Hussein Issa to the role of attacking phase coach, uh, which will see him work with both the first team and the leading academy talent transitioning towards Arteta's senior squad. Now, uh, in The Athletic uh, article that's only just gone out, um, Ornstein very kindly releasing that uh, just before we went live, so I had to quickly add it to our slides today. He's also known as the Tekkers Guru. I know very little about him at all. Uh, there's a video of him talking with the hashtag United Boys. Uh, I imagine doing some work with them. He's also played for England at futsal uh, as well. Um, and I know that I can imagine, I'm just going to predict this. I'm just going to predict uh, that we start seeing um, so we start seeing some people really laughing at Arsenal about this. But you shouldn't, um, because if we know anything, it's that Arsenal's coaching setup is extremely meticulous, specific and professional. And I'm sure that the only reason they would have uh, employed somebody is because they believed them to be the right fit. So despite you might seeing a few jokes being made about this one, because obviously he's worked with some YouTubers and that often does draw a little bit more of attention. Um, he's a very, very talented player uh, back in the day. And of course, playing for England at futsal level shows his good footwork. Uh, some good interviews, as I say, uh, of him online that you can find as well. It'll be intriguing to see if he has any impact on Arsenal's attacking players, both youth and senior. Moving forwards, uh, Gabriel Jesus has been helping out with the team despite being injured. Uh, speaking, of course, in his pre-match press conference uh, in the later section that was released last night. Arteta said that he's been leading with the team. He, is, he has really kind of had that impact and we need that because they really follow him and listen to him and he's a really likeable figure in the dressing room. So it was good to hear that obviously Jesus, despite being out, is of course um, very much involved with the squad despite not being able to play at the moment. Now, according to the Mirror, Unai Emery and Aston Villa are interested in signing Mohamed Elneny. Now, Elneny has just six months left on his contract at Arsenal. Arsenal do have an option to extend that by a further year till 2024 if they want to. Uh, Elneny, of course, worked with Unai Emery whilst he was Arsenal manager. And this link has very much come out of nowhere. Now, I can't really see Arsenal agreeing to this deal without bringing in a significant number six specific cover uh, in the space of the next couple of weeks uh, or so. It would be very, very naive of Arsenal to allow Elneny to leave without bringing in a midfielder. And to be honest, I don't think I'd even let him go uh, this season, uh, in, in this uh, in this January window. I think we need the depth. I think we need the options. And the money that we'd get for him, I just can't see being um, worth kind of letting him leave. So let's see what indeed ends up happening. Um, but uh, Mohamed Elneny linked with Aston Villa, one to track between now and the end of the January window. Now, Arsenal are not interested in revisiting Dusan Vlaovic. This is according to Fabrizio Romano. Of course, talk of Juventus's chaos and their transfer investigations that are going on the moment have led some to suggest that some of their key stars like Vlaovic, Locatelli, Chiesa could leave the club. Yet, Fabrizio saying that Arsenal have zero interest whatsoever in trying to bring the Serbian striker to the club. The uh, negotiations that went down, or lack of negotiations really, that went down during January of 2022 have very much uh, kind of undermined any hope of Arsenal moving for the player again. They are not keen 
on renegotiating or revisiting that deal because of what happened last January. Now, Arsenal, I said, according to sports, to be keeping tabs on Alex Balde uh, of Barcelona. Of course, the young left-back made his debut uh, at the international level in the World Cup, of course, as well. Um, there is a contract issue at the moment, despite the fact that a contract should not be too difficult to agree with Balder. Apparently, Barcelona are finding difficulties in actually registering the player. Uh, Barcelona have got you know plenty of issues right now. He's a very young and exciting left back. I imagine this might be one that Arsenal look to if they feel as though Kieran Tierney's future is not yet assured. Arsenal do have Lino Sosa, of course, a very young, talented left back playing in the under-21 squad and has also impressed when playing with the senior team in that mid-season break that he featured in. Um, but he's a very exciting uh, player as Alex Balder, a story that we will continue to keep you updated on and follow should there be any developments. But uh, I imagine it's just one of those where the contract situation is being a little bit strange by Barca's uh, inability to register some of their players and that then has led there to be links to clubs like Arsenal. Now, uh, regarding Mihailo Mudrik, the latest on him, we had nothing really that significant yesterday in this story, um, but I know that you guys will be asking what about Mudrik? So, it's, it's basically the news that there is no news at this stage. Talks are continuing with the player. There's no breakthrough on this. The player wants Arsenal. Arsenal want the player. Shakhtar want a ridiculous amount of money. You know the rest. Um, so, unfortunately, I can't give you any kind of tangible updates on Mudrik because there isn't, hence why he wasn't in the thumbnail. You know, we, we can't just use the boy for views. We have to be honest about this stuff. You know, there was no update yesterday. And so, therefore, the update is there is no update. So, there you go. Uh, moving into what is our couple of headline stories of the day. Arsenal, according to Calcio Mercato. So, let me just grab my... I need to get like a genuine pinch of salt sort of thing next to me on these shows. So, we have a little pinch of salt. Um, as always, Arsenal have reportedly opened talks with the representatives of Sergei Milinkovic-Savic over a potential summer move. He could be available for in the region of 50 to 60 million euros in the summer. And Arsenal want to position themselves as early as possible over a potential move. So whether this is true or not, again... We always are sceptical when it comes to the Italian media, besides good old Fab uh, breaking these sorts of stories. But uh, Sergei Milinkovic-Savic, again, linked with the club. These links have gone on for some time. You know, these have gone on since way before even last summer. So there is potential for there to be genuine interest from Arsenal and the player. However, the likelihood of us getting him it is, I think, quite small still at this stage. But that might change when the summer transfer window rolls around. But for January, not a chance. Now, Joao Felix continues, of course, to be linked with a move to Arsenal. And this is probably the most likely developing story at the moment regarding the club. What we have seen in the last 24 hours is Atleti lose their game against Barcelona in La Liga. A singular goal from Usmana Dembele gave Barca the three points. Um, but what was interesting before the game is that the Atletico Madrid president, uh, Cerezo, uh, has been talking to Zone in which he said, Joao Felix's future? Question mark. I always say that the players, players play where in the club they want. I don't know where Joao wants to play. I think he's now feeling so good here. Uh, it depends on Joao and on the situation. Now, this is very funny because, of course, less than 24 hours ago, Mikel Atata told me that players move where they want to move. And now we're hearing the Atletico president, uh, president use the exact same quote of players play where they want to play. Now, he, uh, Joao Felix, was criticised quite heavily by Spanish media yesterday for his performance against Barcelona. He was described as looking disinterested. He had a bright start to the game, but certainly trailed off 
he didn't look uh, particularly like he wanted to be where he is. Now, I know for a lot of people that will be a bit of a red flag and they don't particularly want to see players not trying or not looking particularly uh, integrated into the action and stuff like that. I think he is unsettled. I think I use this a lot when I talk about Yuri Tillemans as well. I don't necessarily judge players you know, really intensely when they're playing in a position or playing at a team they don't have that much want to play for anymore. And I think in a new side, given a new leash of life, Joao Felix could be a very, very exciting player. You know, you saw him for Portugal in the World Cup, the difference between his performances there and for Atleti where he's happy and where he's not. There is a clear difference between the two. Arsenal still, of course, Manchester United in the uh, in the frame as well, though their chase of Val Veghorst could change things. Um, there's also been potential talk of a 70 million obligation to buy clause and any potential low move. I think that's probably a fair valuation of the player, uh, but whether or not Arsenal will agree to oblig- an obligation to buy is another thing. If it was an option, I'd be much more keen on it, but an obligation is different. Now, because of the success of our Mihailo Mudrik tactical breakdown that we did today, we will be bringing you the ultimate breakdown episode for Joao Felix. I'll be joined by Spanish football journalist Alvaro Romeo, uh, who is, of course, the Spanish correspondent for the Totally Football Show. Uh, he will be joining me uh, a little bit later on this morning at 11.30 a.m. UK time. So it's a just before lunchtime type of show that you can join us for. Uh, but we will be having a good chat about Joao Felix, comparing him statistically, of course, uh, to the players that he'll be going up against and other potential targets that we've been linked to. We're talking about how we might fit into the Arsenal team and any concerns that have been built around his performances for Atletico Madrid as well. So 11.30 a.m. UK time, set your alarms, the ultimate breakdown of Joao Felix uh, will be out on the channel live. So you'll be able to tune in and hopefully ask uh, Alvaro maybe a couple of questions if we've got time, but there is a lot to go through in those shows. So I unfortunately can't keep that promise, but uh, I might stick around afterwards after uh, Alvaro's time is up on the show to take some of those questions. So that completes all of today's stories. We're going to move to part two and your questions right after this. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. And the same goes at McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with Mook Delivery. Are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Okay, uh, let's jump into the chat and see what you guys are talking about. Uh, Marcus says, West Ham need to strengthen. I know unlikely, but go for Rice now then. More rumours about there being potential interest in him. Uh, I don't doubt, as I've said a number of times, that Arsenal have an interest in Declan Rice. The problem with the Declan Rice deal continues to be whether or not he'd move in January, whether or not Arsenal could afford to pay that in January. I don't think they do. I think that a move is much more likely in the summer. And there is some genuine um, reality to this move potentially happening in the summer when Arsenal have more financial flexibility to move for a more expensive midfielder because their money is very much being focused on the forward line during this January transfer window. Um, But I think it'd be a very intriguing and statement signing by the Gunners to do. So let's see if that indeed does end up happening in the summer. Um, Yomi says, Tom, watching Felix yesterday, he looks uninterested. Adding that with the fact that he will be moving to a new league, do you think it's sensible to pay a huge loan fee for him? 
it's it's interesting, Yomi, because you know when you go up to twenty one million euros, I'm I'm struggling to justify that. The ten million pound figure, it's closer to reality for me. If we manage to get kind of the whole package for around twelve million, ten to twelve million pounds for the loan for six months. It could be the difference for us. It could be it could be something that helps us give that little bit more edge to push towards it. I don't think it is the defining mo- defining kind of player between a title and not a title. I could be proven wrong if he joins and does fantastically. I hope that happens. Um, but I'm struggling to kind of justify 21 million euros as a whole package for six months. Maybe if there was an option in that, it might make it make more sense if that then money was taken off of the ultimate price at the end of it. Of course, that might make it make sense. But I'm struggling to do that right at this very moment. Um, It's tricky. Can he have an immediate impact? Yes. Have players that have come from abroad had an immediate impact in this team? Yes. Has the opposite happened? Yes. It's nearly impossible to know how immediate his impact in the team would be. But it's something that we will, of course, discuss with Alvaro a little bit later on this morning. Um, Bakary Lasagna says, uh, Tom, did you see Patino at Blackpool? I can't wait to see this kid back with us. Yeah, I had a fantastic game, um, of course. And hopefully we see Patino continue to progress. Maybe you can go up against some more Premier League opposition in the FA Cup, of course, with Blackpool progressing uh, and seeing him play against those types of level of opponent. Him coming back is going to be great. I can't wait for that. Um, but uh, yeah, fingers crossed we see uh, a really special second half of the season and then he can kind of accelerate his move straight into the Arsenal senior setup next season. Um, Sudant says, uh, Tom, after Chelsea getting thrashed by Man City, do you think they would push harder for Mudrik? They might, but ultimately the, the rumours are that Chelsea's valuation of Mudrik falls very much similar to our own. Now, whether or not they'll then push harder and go higher than us for Mudrik to try and agree a deal is, a, is another thing. I imagine if they agree a deal with Shakhtar, that could change things for Arsenal. If Shakhtar agree on a, on a certain bid, that could change things. That could push Arsenal. It could tell our, it could just stop Arsenal from going in altogether, and then Mudrik would have a very big decision to make, of course. Or they'd be patient. They wait for Mudrik to continue to say no. I don't want to move to Chelsea, and then go in on a slightly lower bid. That could be how it works out. But it's very difficult to do to work out what might end up happening. Arsenal are always said to be confident, always said to be optimistic because they know the player wants to go there. I heard from Mikel Arteta, as I said earlier on the show, that he says he believes himself players move where they want to go. And we know that Madrid wants to come to Arsenal. It's, it's not a secret. It's very, very obvious and clear. So hopefully that proves to be the difference between now and the end of January. Uh, DR says, are we waiting for world peace before completing renewals for Saka, Saliba and Martinelli? Or are we waiting for these players to get annoyed with the club? DR, ultimately, discussions continue to go on behind the scenes. And I, I know it might be frustrating that these aren't being snapped up, renewed or whatever in our eyes. But conversations continue and they take time. And unfortunately, whilst you might look at other clubs renewing contracts, Arsenal have actually been quite good at renewing their players' contracts. You know, we've already managed to get Gabriel signed up to a new deal this season. Of course, we managed to sign Martinelli and Saka onto new deals just uh, over two years ago. And getting Saliba integrated and very happy at Arsenal in itself is an achievement. We are in a good place. I am not concerned at this moment in time about Saka and Martinelli in particular. Saliba is obviously the big one that there are concerns about for obvious reasons. But just be patient a bit more and hopefully we'll have some news on contracts in the coming months. Um, Abdul says, why not loan Lakonga? He doesn't play that much. I would be open to a loan in the summer. But right now, I think it's worth him staying, keeping the depth, keep the options that we have. We need that depth. That's important in this six months. But in the summer, absolutely send him on loan, get him playing regularly and maybe earning even more if we sell him in the following summer or, of course, 
integrated into the Arsenal team if he's indeed if he has indeed proved himself. Uh, Owen says, if Shakhtar, Donetsk and Atletico Madrid don't budge on their prices, what should Arsenal's next move be? Do you think we should overpay or move away on to other players of interest? Cheers. Uh, Owen, it depends on how much you want a player, how much you'd have to overpay, of course, to get them. That That is a big, big factor in this. If the difference between getting Mudrick and not getting Mudrick is 10 million euros, I'd probably just spend the extra 10 million euros and get him. If the difference is 20, 30, 40, that's a bit different. Um, it also is worth pointing out that there aren't too many wingers, you know, genuine wingers that are going to offer Arsenal what they want on the market. There isn't too many right now at all. So if you can get one of the best young ones in the world, that's a really big plus for you. Uh, regarding Joao Felix, I think there are alternatives to Joao Felix. I think there are other possibilities than him. So it makes it easier to turn that one down than it does for the Mudrick one. And you worry about him moving to one of your rivals and becoming... An amazing player, of course. Um, Oki says, Tom, has there been any further talk about Memphis Depay? I think he may be a reasonable option as a loan or even a permanent deal if the price is right. Can play across the front three and he's been reasonably good at Barca. A loan is near impossible because I think he only has six months left on his contract. A cheap price would be, you know, feasible, but then you are committing a spot in your squad for the next two and a half, three years to Memphis Depay, who is going to be ultimately, if we're honest about it, he's moving away from his peak years uh, in in the world of football. So it's difficult to justify a permanent contract for Memphis Depay, especially if it blocks you from signing another forward in the summer. Potentially it blocks a pathway back for following Balogun. And I know that annoys people when people talk about why would we not sign someone because of a youth player. But in the, in the essence of a six-month period, if you can sign somebody on loan and then you can make a decision on Balogun in the summer, I think that's more that's smarter smarter to do than it is to commit to two and a half years, say, of Memphis to Pike. So I imagine he would want a lengthy contract to have guarantees over his own future. Um, let's go to LBLV, who says, uh, Tom, do you not think Arsenal are concentrating too much on the attack rather than finding a capable replacement for Partey or another box-to-box midfielder? Now, it's a fair question. What I would continue to say is that Arsenal are monitoring a number of midfielders. They have got their ideas on on midfield. Their focus at the start of this window is to try and lock down that forward area to get those players in. For me, that is the right thing to do. I think the forward area is something we need to make sure that we've got because the midfielders, if you look at it, we've got we've got Partey, we've got El Nenny, we've got Lokonga, we've got Xhaka, we've got Smith Rowe, we've got Fabio Vieira, we've got Erdegaard could all play in those midfield areas, right? Zinchenko can arguably also play in the midfield if you needed him to with Tierney going to left back. So there are options there. In the forward line, we have Saka, Martinelli um, and Nketiah right now. Jesus is injured until late February, March. Of course, Smith-Rowe could play in a wide area. Of course, Fabio Vieira could play in a wide area if he needed them to. But we lack wingers. We lack that genuine wing option. Reese Nelson is injured what feels like indefinitely at the moment. We've got no updates on that. And Marquinhos is just not ready right now. Uh, he's so far down the pecking order and probably if we had Nelson available right now would have been sent on loan. We need a winger and we need a forward and we need to make sure that we consolidate our attacking options if we want to win the title this season because goals are, are what are going to be the difference for us. We've got a great defence. We've got a really good midfield. And I think there is some depth in that midfield. The gap between Partey and Elneny is obvious. I'm not going to debate that. It is there. Finding a Partey replacement in January is near impossible. Finding depth for six months might be possible. It's a very difficult situation for January in particular. In January, there are options for Arsenal to really strengthen in the forward line. We should take those chances. In midfield, 
there aren't too many. In the summer, there certainly will be. So I think a short-term option in midfield or a young player being brought in that can maybe close the gap in the future is, is where our head would be at. But at the moment, the priority remains the forward line. And I, for one, am fine with that being the priority in this window. Hopefully, though, we can add a midfielder between now and the end of January. Hard Pixel TV says, Tom, I know that we were linked with Indica uh, on a free in the summer, but what happens if Gabriel were to get injured? Tommy Asu can play left centre-back, but he's never played there for us. Maybe in an area that we need to look back. It's also worth remembering that Saliba and Holding can also play left centre-back and have done. Uh, Holding has played left centre-back on numerous occasions. And when playing uh, in the Europa League or in the Carabao Cup, Holding has often played that left centre-back role. I know that people aren't really raving about Holding. He's a decent defender, you know, especially as a backup. Yes, if Gabriel were to get injured for the long term, maybe that'd be a problem. But for most top teams, if their starting centre-back is out, they don't necessarily have the options there. Tomiyasu, I think, has proven for Japan on a number of occasions to be a top-quality left-sided centre-back if need be. And I'd be fine with him playing there two-footed, strong, physical, good in the air. I have no issues with Tomiyasu being left centre-back as well and probably is the second option there for now if we need him to be. Um, let's go to Manu who says, uh, regarding my tweet about Lukonga, with Patino doing so well on loan and arguably having more minutes at a higher level than him, could Patino be game over for Lukonga or could they coexist? It depends on where Patino eventually specialises. He's been playing quite deep in the Blackpool midfield. I think he has a record amount of interceptions since moving into that position. But he also does like to progress the ball forwards from deep. He's kind of, I think, going to be the best Xhaka replacement. Now, of course, that is where Lukonga still very much plays. And his best position is that left number eight position. So it could be curtains for Lukonga if Patino does progress and come through the ranks and I'm fine with that because Patino looks special so Lukonga needs to go on loan next season we could bring Patino into his role in the squad for next season and make a decision then so uh so there you go and uh, let's go to Anz who says if all transfers were possible who would elevate this current Arsenal team if you could only pick one out of Sergei Blinkham, Savage, Jude or Rice it would be Bellingham, without a shadow of a doubt. He is the next. He is going to be the best midfielder in the world for the next ten years. I have few doubts about that. He is unbelievably good, unbelievably good. Um, I know that I'm missing out on loads of newer questions in the chat. So let's just scroll a bit. Dan says, "Hi Tom, if Shatzar refused to sell to both Chelsea and Arsenal because of valuation, do you think something similar to Hussein Awar would happen, where his value dropped significantly?" Uh, potentially. It depends on what happens with him between now and the rest of the season. Shakhtar do have European football still to play uh, in the Europa League. They drop down, they'll play that round of 32 match. I'm not sure who they've got. Let's have a quick look at the Europa League fixtures and see who they have got. They have got Wren. Um, now, Wren this season are where in the league uh they are, i think they're quite high up yeah fourth in the table they're doing pretty well they could beat Shakhtar and knock them out i think it's a very close call to actually make between those two so they finished second in their group behind Fenerbahce, but way ahead of aek larnaca and dinamo kiev ironically another ukrainian side so they'll play um Shakhtar. it's interesting actually looking at those europa league fixtures i've forgotten who's still in the competition salzburg play roma barca play united ajax play Union Berlin, uh, Donetsk against Rennes, Sevilla PSV, Sporting against Midtjylland, Juventus against Nantes, and Leverkusen against Monaco. It'll be very interesting Arsenal when they got Juve in the next round after that. Um, awful friendly that we had, of course. Um, but 
it's difficult to know if he would have that kind of fall. He hasn't shown any sign of dipping. Um, and he's a very similar situation where you've got big money being talked about for a player that hasn't necessarily proved it at the top, top, top level. Um, but I don't really like using words unproven or inexperienced because we've seen players move and after very little experience and go on to absolutely excel, like Drew Bellingham, for instance. So it's it's tricky to have those sorts of arguments. Um, let's look at uh, Inny, who says, Arsenal's Aubameyang decision has aged well. Uh, yes, very much so. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate the satirical comments and thank you for the donation, Any Much appreciated. Uh, Singatha says, perhaps the contracts of Saka and Martinelli are being put on hold so they can focus on the season. A new contract with massive pay rise could be very distracting for a 21-year-old. Uh, I think it could be smart. I like that theory. I like the theory that they are, you know, we've seen players given big contracts and then immediately their form has dipped. If they are in continual talks, they all want to be putting in these top performances. And this season, that could be key. So maybe it is that we wait till the summer to agree those contracts with those players. That might be really, really important to do so. Um, Colin says, can we use another KSE club to buy players and then loan them to them? Now, the only other KSE club, Colin, that exists in my view or knowledge is Colorado Rapids in the MLS. If you're going to loan them out there, it's a different calendar year of football, which makes it trickier. The level is obviously very different. I would predict the level of MLS is around kind of low-level championship. I think is probably a fair representation of where the MLS is right now. Um, and I don't think that's disrespectful. I think that's probably where I think there are teams in the high end of the championship that would be probably comfortably beating those MLS sides. So I think low-end championship is where you're looking at. So it depends upon where the players are. It depends upon what kind of level of player you're looking at to send them on loan to. For me, Arsenal need to go down the City route or the Brighton route or the Sheffield United route. Well, they've not maybe they're different routes, to be fair. You've got City that's like got C, uh, the City Football Group, have got you know connections with clubs around the world. You've got Brighton, you've got Sheffield United, which have got clubs that they've got partnerships with. I think Leicester have got one in Belgium as well. They've all got clubs in Belgium that they got links to. I think that Arsenal need to have that kind of situation where they've got that kind of unofficial partnership. Chelsea had Vitesse Arnhem. If you remember, they sent so many lone players out to the Eredivisie with Vitesse. So that, I think, is where Arsenal should be looking to, to do things. Keep it in Europe. Keep the calendar, the kind of seasonal, uh, the, the calendar of the, the season the same and do it that way. That's that's how I think Arsenal should be approaching that. But I appreciate the question, Colin. Um, uh, I'm going to assume this is ghosty maybe there's an x in the middle so i'm not 100 sure um but ghosty says tom do you think that tammy abraham would be a good option for us he would be expensive he would be expensive you're looking at spending 40 to 50 million maybe slightly more roman would ask for not that he's i don't think worth that amount of money at the moment he's had a little bit of a tricky season so far uh which is a shame because he ended the season last season really well i think that tammy can still play in the premier league to a high level I just don't know whether or not he's the right fit for Arsenal at this moment in time. Uh, Tom says, I'm sorry, Tom, but Holdini is not even the fifth Arsenal centre-back quality. I think this is really harsh on Holding. I really think there is misconceptions about Rob Holding. I think he's probably uh, the third best fourth-choice centre-back in the Premier League. I, I, I don't think there is many that you'd look to the fourth-choice in any Premier League club that is as 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 give you the quality and the consistency and the defensive ability that holding gives you he's unfashionable he's english and that just puts people off and that's a shame because i think he puts in a really good shift this is a guy that came into two fa cup finals and put in two 
massive performances amongst others in his career. It's not to say he's had two good displays. That would be wrong. But let's give the guy some respect because he's given two FA Cup winning final performances in his career. He comes on off the bench consistently, does the job, keeps the uh, defence out, does really, really well when he's called upon. And I just think that it's really harsh to say that um, to, to say that Rob Holding is, you know, talking about him in, in this kind of, not disrespectful, but I think just underestimating him is is harsh. So, so there you go. Um, Mohammed says there are many good options on the market in terms of what position I'd be keen to know. Uh, if it's in the wide areas, I'd love to get some thoughts. I don't. I've I've seen you suggest Ismail Assar. The drop from someone like bringing in Mudrik to Ismail Assar, Mohammed, I just think is too significant um, to justify filling a spot with Ismail Assar personally. Um, let's go for Mitama from Brighton is not a bad shout. And that's, that is someone that I would be interested in us, you know, hopefully trying to go for. I think Mitama is certainly a fantastic player. I think a big club, you could see someone who is clearly blooming late in his career because he only moved to Europe in the summer of 2021. And then he went on loan to Belgium and then came back after another good season and has obviously been integrated gradually. Played a little bit under Potter. De Zerbi has really put him into the side and he's flourishing. So get him now. Get him when he's barely played. Many minutes. Get him when he's on the cheap. You know, get, see if you can get him. He's cost, I think, 4.5 million. Brighton paid for him. I'd bid 30 million and, as a starting offer and see what Brighton said to 30 million for Mitama. You've already done, what, six times your value that you paid? I'll be very interested in seeing that. Uh, and how that would work. Sophie's in the chat. Thank you, Soph. Much appreciate the support. There is indeed now over one, nearly one and a half thousand of you in the chat box. Please do drop a like on the video. Subscribe to the channel if you're new. Uh, we are on our way to 50K, uh, and thank you for the continued support as always. It means so, so much to me that you continue to make this a part of your morning routines and you support the channel greatly. And if you would like to support the channel even more, you can join up as a member and join our Discord server, which is like our chat box you've got on the right of your screen or below on your your iphone or tablet uh 24 7 amazing group amazing people amazing community and uh it's great to see new people join and get into it um wilson with his uh <laughs> with his catchphrase why on earth is arteta being criticized for his passion it is obviously ridiculous and arteta has got every right to show his passion come on man um i really i think it's just part and parcel of the way that some people just don't like him some people just don't like Arteta. It's just how it is. Some people don't like him. Some people don't like him seeing him succeed. Some people are just pathetic. And I think there is a lot of pathetic things going on in the world regarding Arteta's touchline behaviour, which in honesty is very similar to a lot of other managers that don't get any comments on it at all. As I've used, uh, Pep, as I've used the example of Pep Guardiola, literally booted a ball into the other dugout the other day and nothing has been said about that yet. Arteta throwing his hands up in the air is apparently a crime worse than some horrific things that they need to write massive columns about. So I don't, I don't really get it. I don't get it at all. Um, <laughs> Mead B says her holding deserves respect for his hairline regeneration. I mean, I will accept the joke because it's great. And to be honest, our good friend Wayne, who came on the show the other day, produced an amazing Photoshop of Holding's hair, which Holding even responded to because his, yeah, I don't know how Wayne managed to Photoshop that well. I didn't know he was that good at Photoshop, but it was the locks were impressive, impressive indeed. But yeah, that is uh, very, and he does deserve respect beyond just his hairline, which is fantastic. And 
much better than mine now. Um, Abenhaus says, Tom, what happens to Eddie if we sign Felix in the summer and Mikhailo Mudrik now? He has to fight for his spot, Abenhaus. And that's what happens. You know, you need ruthlessness, you need competition, and you need to be in a position where everything that happens within that group is going to push forward. So, you know, I think there are differences between saying that I'm sorry for Eddie or I want to create a pathway for Eddie and also saying that we need to sign quality. You need to find that balance. And I think Joao Felix on loan is a really good option because you've got Balogun there as well that's coming back in the summer and then you can make a decision. I think all of those things give you flexibility. And in the market and in a squad, flexibility is just is just not uh, it's just not something that you're given really often, flexibility and freedom to make choices. So if you can do something to give yourself more freedom, more space, more wiggle room, to think and make a decision before the season ends with a player or with a number of players or with a transfer or with a contract, that's such a great place to be in. So, so there you go. Sean says, help TGT get to a thousand likes on today's video. He's almost got 25,000 views on the last one and nearly a thousand likes. If we can get a thousand likes on today's video, that would be awesome. Um, thank you so much for continuing to support. As I said, I really want to get us to 50K because if, that, if we get to 50K, it means we can do our 50K celebration live show in London in the summer. That's kind of the target I've set ourselves for 2023. Hopefully we can try and get towards that 50K mark because then we're going to do a live show in London with a lot of great guests. Um, and uh, that's kind of the thing, the 50K celebration in London. And then we'll get lots of people to meet each other. Um, if you've watched our last Eat, Sleep, Arsenal repeat podcast, which, of course, Sophie and our fantastic chat box is a, is a regular uh, contributor of, uh, there was an amazing thing in our Strava group, which is our fitness uh, community on the channel. For those of you that are New Year's resolutions, of course, and you're trying to get back into fitness and running and cycling and exercise and stuff, we have a TGT fitness Strava group. Uh, you can find it www. Uh, is that too many W's? www. There you go. Strava.com slash clubs slash E-S-A-R-P. If you go to that, you'll get access to our Strava group. Um, and we're all doing running on there. And uh, amazingly, two of the people that are in that chat were doing exercise in southern Spain met up and watched the Arsenal-Newcastle game together. It's amazing how this community brings people together to watch Arsenal, and uh, I'm very, very proud of it. And I'm sure that you guys who have contributed daily, monthly, yearly to uh, are very happy to be part of it as well. Uh, Mikey says, what are you doing as your well-being challenge? To be honest, Mikey, I haven't set myself a specific challenge. I'm just trying to get fitter. I'm trying to lose a bit more weight. If you remember, I did a show where I talked about how I wasn't really happy with myself and I'm still not particularly happy with with myself right now and hopefully um I can be in a position where I am more happy with myself uh doing more to support uh fitness and uh basically Owen our good friend Owen who does the show with us as well has challenged me to do 15k by the 22nd or 15 miles by um by the 22nd uh, when we all will be meeting up in London because Sophie and Owen and Mike are coming over from the States and from Ireland to seeing everybody and it's very, very frustrating. Uh, <laughs> I hate being challenged to do stuff. I hate um, the pressure of that sort of thing, but it is getting me out. It is getting me running. It is getting me active. Uh, I'm also getting into golf as well. Um, I, I had a stupid spending spree in a golf shop the other day. And uh, I really want to get into golf and play a bit more of that as well. Our good friend Wayne plays it a lot. A good few friends of mine play it. And uh, I'm hoping that I can get into it and do okay. 
but it's good to get into new stuff. It's 2023, new year, new you, how's it goes? Uh, but hopefully it's going to be a really good year, not just on a personal level, but of course, for all of us with Arsenal as well. Now, remember, later on this morning, 11.30am, set your alarms. The ultimate breakdown of Joao Felix will be out at 11.30am UK time. I'll be joined by Alvaro Romeo to have a good chat about the Portuguese international, how you know a move to Arsenal might materialise, how he might fit into the team, and of course, what he could bring and what doubts and fears we might have about him and the price tag and all of that lovely stuff. So do indeed set your alarms, turn the notifications on the channel on so you don't miss out on what is hopefully going to be a fantastic episode of learning all about a very, very interesting player indeed. I wish you a fantastic Monday. Uh, if you're going to the game tonight, I'm going to be there. I'm going to be in Oxford. So good drive up and back in the same day. You won't be getting home to about half one, two o'clock. So tomorrow morning show at 8 a.m. I want to see big likes because I will be getting home at 2 a.m. tonight and then doing a show at 8 a.m. the next morning. So uh, I'm not letting you down. I will bring you the content. Don't you worry. And uh, yeah, I'm going to be looking tired. So expect some bags under these eyes tomorrow morning at 8 a.m. Because um, it's going to be a big, long round trip. Because whilst people like, you know, if you're a fan, you go to the game, you go to these 8 a.m. fixtures. The game ends at about 9.30, 10 o'clock. You go home. I don't <laughs> I don't go home straight away. I'm there. I'm waiting for the press conference. I'm writing up my pieces at the stadium. And then I leave. I'll probably end up leaving closer to midnight to then drive home. So it's going to be a long night. It's going to be an interesting evening. I'm hoping we can bring home a win and progress to the next round. And then we can talk about Man City in the next round, of course, which is interesting in itself. So thanks for listening. It's been a genuine pleasure. I will see you a little bit later on this morning for the show. And as always, up the Arsenal. It's the 90-plus minute. All your mates around, and you've got a McNuggets share box ready to go, and you know a late winner's coming. Your mates already got booked for a double dip in, and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfection. Order now on the McDonald's app for your delivery. You in? At participating restaurants, 18-plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. Talk sport. Powered by fans.